All right, what is good, gang? This is your boy Mel, aka Naldo Formula One, and you are now tuned into the Naldo F1 podcast. This is episode 20, and we got a big one coming up, man. We got Vegas. By the time you're hearing this, it'll be race week for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. And in my entire time, I know I'm short lived as a Formula One fan compared to like the diehards who've been growing up watching it since like the 90s and the 80s and stuff like that. But in my time watching Formula One, this I've never seen a Grand Prix advertised like this one has, at least not one with little to no ramifications. Like if we go back to, say, Abu Dhabi of 2021, pretty much the last four races of 2021 were humongous because the title uh, challenge was so close. And Abu Dhabi 2021, it came down to the last race where the two championship contenders were level on points, which was absolutely nuts to watch. But just for an individual Grand Prix to be advertised the way that it is, I've never seen anything like this. It's absolutely insane. Like Formula One has really put their all into just pushing this thing, man. Like the amount of advertising that they're doing, the fact that it's going to be going down the Vegas Strip at nighttime, it's almost as if Formula One are trying to create their own sort of Monaco in the U.S. And the U.S. market has grown a lot. Interest has been booming for Formula One. I've had people come up to me asking me about it because they see the the content and the videos and stuff like that, or they heard podcast clips, and they come and ask me what's going on with Formula One. And it's it's great that the sport is growing, but I do feel like there are some fatal flaws, specifically with the newer U.S. races, meaning Miami and Vegas, that I'll get into a little bit later. But yeah, that's really what we're going to be here to talk about today. I'll give you guys a little updates about what's going on with the rumor mills and what I think would be happening in the winter break silly season, which will be coming up really soon because we're getting to the end of the season. Contracts are coming to the end of their terms and to be honest, if you've watched enough Formula One or you've kept up with enough Formula One, you know that those contracts, especially the driver's contracts, pretty much aren't worth the paper that they're written on. You could be signed to the end of 2026, but if you're not performing, they'll find a way to get you up out of there. So, yeah, that's pretty much what we're going to get into today. But, yeah, guys, welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys for listening. You already know we got to get the house uh, housekeeping out of the way. And so you already know what to do. Pause the video. Like and subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit the bell for the notification so that you're notified every single time I drop. And then on top of that, if you're listening to this on the audio platforms, make sure you're followed or subscribed to the show. Make sure you're downloading the episodes. That's the key point right there. Download the episodes for the boy. Uh, Show me some love. And then make sure you're following all my social medias too. Um, Twitter is at Naldo underscore formula or F1. Instagram is at Naldo underscore underscore F1. And I believe that's the same for TikTok as well. I'll have them linked somewhere in the description or something like that. You guys know where to find me at. So go ahead and hit that follow. If you don't, you're a hater. Good. Now that that's out of the way. um, Yeah, Vegas, man. Let's 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 get into Vegas because I don't feel like I share the same sentiment that a lot of people 
have been sharing about Vegas uh, across the board, a lot of content creators that I've seen. And like, don't get me wrong, this is not like a slight towards them or anything, but I think that we're just going about it the wrong way. I think it's easier to dogpile on on Vegas right now because it's the newest race on the calendar. The layout doesn't look great. I'll I'll give you that much. That I don't even know how long that straight is, but it's 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 immense, man. Uh, let me look that up. How long is the Vegas Grand Prix straight? That back straight is crazy. Okay, so it's a 1.1 mile straight down the Vegas Strip uh, near the, the the Sphere thing, the huge display concert venue thing that they got going on in Vegas. It's just a one mile just straight of just flat out maxing the engines out. I know they're going to be hard-pressed to – just keep those engines cool with them banging off the rev limiter the way that they're going to be there on that entire straight. I mean, we thought like the Baku straight was long or like, I'm trying to think of other tracks that have an enormously long straight. Coda straight's pretty long. Even the Miami back straight is pretty long. I think this is longer than all of those. And it's just, I, I, I don't know what to make of it, to be honest, but I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt until we see the racing because who knows? It could be a banger, and then everybody's going to look foolish because they came on to all their platforms and have been just dogpiling on the Vegas layout for uh, the last – pretty much since it's been announced, which was early la or late last year. Uh, and so, yeah, it just – I think that I'm I'm more wait and see. Uh wait and see what happens until and I form an opinion on what exactly is to make of this race. Now I'm not predicting it to be great. I'm just looking at the layout right now and it's it doesn't look the most enticing. And then I know there was a graphic that came out with the map kind of where the circuit is going through the city and stuff, and people thought that that was them naming the corners on the track already and if you're not familiar with what i'm talking about basically at a lot of the more famous circuits in on the calendar there will be specific corners that have a nickname or a specific section of the track that has a nickname based on just the history of it so like let's take canada for an example Canada has that last chicane at the exit of that last chicane going into the final turn there's the wall of champions and the reason why it's called the wall of champions is because i think for like three years straight each reigning world champion crashed into that wall and so it, it famously nicknamed it the wall of champions so there was a graphic that came out with the vegas grand prix with some of the landmarks that you're gonna that they're gonna be driving around this coming up weekend and some people were thinking that that was them naming the the corners and i don't really think that's the case i think that they were just kind of mapping out what you're going to be passing along the uh along the race and what's going to be basically inside and outside the track directly surrounding it so i just felt like it just needed some clarification with that because i genuinely don't believe that they'd name like the one of the corners like the Bellagio or something that just doesn't that doesn't it doesn't hit right man it, you have to earn nicknames basically it's like you can't give yourself a nickname 
That same same concept. You can't give yourself a nickname. You can't give a corner a nickname until something happens or somebody makes a famous move at that corner and then that corner gets named after the driver or something like that. It, it just has to have some sentiment behind it, basically. But one of the big talking points that's come up recently is the temperature in Vegas. So I'm pretty sure all of my American listeners already know this, but Vegas is in the middle of the desert on the western part of the country. And if you know anything about deserts, it's hot as hell during the daytime, but especially in the winter at night, it gets cold. And I mean like really cold. And so the temperatures for Vegas are not looking the warmest and apparently it's been rumored that f1 officials didn't know that it was going to be cold in vegas in november in the middle of the night which i kind of find hard to believe and i want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they did know that and that they just thought that they that everything would be good because we've gone to other circuits where it was fairly cold during the time period and it's been okay but we're we're talking like record temperatures right now like let's talk let's see what the the weather is looking like i believe the last time i checked the lows were like in the mid to low 40s fahrenheit so i think that's like four or five degrees celsius and yeah that that's way too cold to be driving f1 cars the thing about f1 cars and the technicality of them is that temperature is a huge thing like they have to be in a certain temperature window to get everything right which means the track surface has to be a certain temperature in order to heat the tires up to work the tires and make sure that they have proper grip throughout the corners because these things are so fast they need that mechanical grip from the tires and not just the aerodynamic grip that they've created by driving and so now all of a sudden there's this huge concern that okay the drivers are not going to be able to heat up the tires as well as the track map doesn't lend itself to be able to heat up tires very well because you don't heat up tires going straight you heat up tires going fast through fast speed corners and i'm looking at the layout right now and it looks like there's maybe two high speed corners on the entire track i mean sector one is two straights and then there's like a russia style u curved with some medium speed corners in between and then sector two is basically two long straights and then so is sector three with like a mini chicane so there's really nowhere to heat up the tires which is going to be a huge concern i even tweeted out i think i replied to somebody's tweet talking about how many cars do we think is, are going to go off at turn one because they haven't been able to heat up the tires? Because we're going to be at, it's going to be midnight when lights go out my time. And I'm in U.S. Central Standard Time. And so it's going to be, what, 1 a.m. where in Vegas? It's either going to be 1 or 2 a.m. Or no, it's gonna, I'm sorry, they're going backwards, other way. So it's going to be like 11 at night. 10 or 11 at night which is i mean it's about as cold as it's going to get through the entire night so that's a humongous concern for me and i think that's going to turn out to be an absolute shit show i think they'll figure out how to do it i don't know whether that means pirelli bring a softer set of compounds so that they're easier to heat up 
And maybe, who knows, maybe that can make the race more exciting and maybe bring a two or three stop strategy into account or into play this, this weekend. But nothing's really set in stone right now. I mean, we're looking at probably the highest top speeds outside of Monza. I mean, these dudes are going to be running low, low downforce wings because there's just not a whole lot of corners to go through. So you're just basically setting the car up to survive through the corners and be as fast as possible in a straight line. And it's looking like we're going to have 50 racing laps, so similar to Jetta. And top speeds around 215 down that back straight, which is going to be absolutely nuts to see. And I wish I could see it in person just to see – because that getting that speed in person flying by at 215, 220 is just nuts. And you can't really replicate it. So I, I really am praying that it's an exciting race because I don't like, as just that being an American, it's not fun to sit here and have to just watch everybody shit on <laughs> your country for the last like three months. I mean, we, we already had it bad with Miami and the, the fake water and stuff like that, which drove me absolutely nuts. But. To have two races in the U.S. that are absolute garbage, I just I, I pray that it's even somewhat decent. I mean, we all know what's going to happen. We're going to be listening to that uh, Dutch national national anthem at the end of the uh, the race, and when we after the podium celebration, we all know what national anthem is going to be playing and what flag is going to be flying over top of it, and what car and what driver is going to be on top step of that podium. But can we at least make it a little bit interesting? I mean, there are some teams out there that have great straight line speed. I mean, Williams comes to mind. Uh, Ferrari usually do really well in straight line speed. So I think they're going to be really strong this weekend. I think Mercedes is going to struggle big time because they have created a draggy car. And it seems like they're just their engine power is just not up to speed. I don't know if they may take new power unit components this weekend. But I'm hoping that... I'm wrong. I'm praying that I jinx them the opposite way so that I talk down about them so much that they end up performing well this weekend. But my hopes are not up and I'm not holding my breath. But we're just going to have to wait and see, man. Everybody just pump the brakes and let's give them a chance to really work out the kinks. I mean, I don't think any race has been that good the first time around. I mean, even Saudi, like when we think about Saudi, there was hella concerns about Saudi, whether it be the area of actual racing, the safety of the track, but then everybody loves Saudi now. I think it's pretty much a consensus that Saudi is a top five circuit on the calendar and everybody loves it. And other than this year, Saudi has produced bangers. So who knows, man, we could actually get some decent racing here. I mean, there's no shortage of overtaking opportunities. I think they'll be able to overtake in the turn one. Um, I'm looking at turn 14. Looks like a pretty heavy braking zone. I wouldn't call it super heavy. I mean, turn one is probably going to be the best spot. But your turn 14 is, has potential. I think if they can follow from, what is this, turn six to turn nine, there may be a potential overtaking opportunity into turn 12. So I'm looking at two, maybe three overtaking opportunities this weekend, which is good enough. I mean, there are some circuits that don't have any, and we still love them. I'm no shade, but cough, cough, Monaco. <laughs> 
And even even Japan doesn't have a real proper overtaking opportunity just because there's only one DRS zone and then the braking zone in the turn one is tricky because there's not really a hard braking zone. But everybody like this is not comparing Vegas to Japan. Japan's lovely. And one of my favorite circuits on the, the calendar, at least for qualifying. The cars look beautiful, and I just love the fact that we go to Suzuka. And it's the only figure eight circuit on the calendar. So I'm in love with Suzuka. But, yeah, let's everybody just pump the brakes, and let's go into Vegas with a positive mindset rather than a negative one and just see where we go from there. See if we can make some shake. See if we can actually have a decent race this weekend i'm praying for it because we haven't had too many this year whatsoever i mean we can pretty much count on one hand the number of like exciting races that we had this season i mean i'm looking at like singapore uh i would say Kota was pretty exciting i think i'm a little biased because i went but qatar was cool japan eh Italy was pretty was pretty cool. Zandvoort was all right. Hungary was pretty exciting. Um, Austria was cool. Spain was cool. But I skipped Imola this year. Man, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I at some point I got to go back and refresh myself on some of these early races. I was having a conversation with somebody about that and how the season has become so long that you barely remember the races towards the beginning of the season. Like I'm like Bahrain, Saudi Arabia, like Miami, all of those are just like kind of a blur. And I really don't even remember anything happening other than Red Bull domination. But yeah, it it just, it makes it really hard to just pull it from memory and go back and just be like, oh yeah, I remember Miami. That this and this happened, and so on and so forth. I, th- I think the only t- thing I remember from Miami was Fernando watching Lance make an overtake on the big screen because he was just in a race of his own. There was nobody in front of him within like ten to fifteen seconds. Nobody behind him for like twenty or so seconds. That's the only thing that I remember from uh from Miami this year. So, yeah, I got to go back and refresh myself before the the year-end review episode, which is coming up soon because after Vegas, which is our penultimate race of of the season, it's Abu Dhabi, man, and that's it. And there will be another Formula One season in the books, and there will be another season of Naldo F1 podcast in the books. So that was cool. Um, In other news, I was reading about the whole Andretti Cadillac situation. So just to give a little bit of an update about that. Um, it seems like they've hit a bit of a wall with Liberty. And I think I touched on the fact in one of my clips that this was potentially going to be a struggle for them as far as negotiating with Liberty Media because they're, Liberty Media and F1 as a brand are not really enticed to bring on another team because they're influenced heavily by the teams that are already on the grid. And so... The teams don't want another team in there, and I understand. Like, as a fan, obviously, I want more teams on the grid. That's more opportunities for new drivers, new talent, and more competition. It's just it makes it more exciting, and there's something to create buzz around the sport. But 
from the team's perspective, they're running businesses, and I understand it, it's about money. That's the bottom line for them. It's about money and less competition. I mean, you already got two, three other teams in your field, usually based on performance, that you have to worry about. Adding another one to the field is just another headache for the team. So I understand why they feel like, okay, we don't want another team on the grid. But just from a fan perspective, I'd absolutely love for Andretti Cadillac to join the grid. And I think every other F1 fan and racing fan shares that same sentiment. But it seems like they've hit a little bit of a wall negotiating with F1 media and Liberty media. Because it seems like F1 as a brand are not really moved by the Andretti name the way that we thought they might be. I think the GM Cadillac partnership is the only reason why they've gotten this far. I think they would have had to partner with another major manufacturer, say a Honda or a Toyota or like a BMW or something like that to even get their like name recognized or like be taken seriously is probably a better term. I think that Cadillac was the only way they got this far, and I don't know if it's going to be good enough to get them further because it seems like it's been rumored that Liberty Media would rather either Andret or either Cadillac slash GM come in as their own entity and just be another manufacturer team because that's just where the sport is moving. I mean, when we talk about small teams that era is pretty much gone like small privately owned family teams like williams williams got sold out last year um yeah everybody else's major car manufacturers outside of like red bull like you got audi coming to take over for sauber next season mercedes ferrari mclaren like Aston Martin, these are all car manufacturers outside of Red Bull. And Red Bull have the Ford partnership coming up, I think, in 2025. Or no, that might start next year, actually. I believe that starts next year. And I think that that'll end up turning into a long-term engine manufacturer partnership. And so I think that Formula One media's perspective is they'd rather Andretti Cadillac come in as their own entity. They're a big enough name brand that they could produce their own engines, even though Cadillac and GM don't want to do that because it costs a lot of money to do R&D for engine development, especially for like a hybrid powertrain. And there's new regs coming up in 2026. So it's just uh, like... It's just a culmination of just frustration for a brand like Cadillac slash GM to come in and be an engine manufacturer because I don't think that's what they want to do. And Formula One is like, why wouldn't y'all do that? Because you're a big enough brand to pull that off without pretty much touching your, your profits whatsoever. And Formula One is an outlet to bring in more profits because if you look at a team like Ferrari who make an absolute shitload of money off of like merchandise sales. So like model cars, clothing, 
little trinkets and stuff like that. They make more money off of those things than they do the cars, which is crazy enough because those cars are so expensive to build. But yeah, I think that's where kind of Liberty Media stands on the situation is that I believe that they think that Andretti and GM should have a bigger part of manufacturing the engine and manufacturing the car as opposed to Cadillac. So I don't think, or not Cadillac, as opposed to Andretti. So I don't think Andretti holds the weight that we originally thought that it held when they first kind of proposed the idea of joining uh, the Formula One grid. And even I, I thought there was a rumor about F1 media trying to entice GM to partner with like an existing team already. Like I think, and GM denied it obviously because they're like that would be disloyal to Andretti if we just go over and say, yeah, you know, I know you're the one who brought us into this as an idea to partner together, but you know they look pretty good over there and they already have an established team, so we're just gonna mosey on over there and go hang out with them and do a deal with them. So I think that GM showed a lot of loyalty, sticking with Andretti and making sure that hey, we're either going to get into this together or we're going to fail together one way or the other. So that that I respect that a lot. So that's pretty much the update with, with the Andretti Cadillac situation. Um, touch on a little bit of racing. Um, this past weekend, or not this past weekend, not the weekend I'm recording this, but last weekend was the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, and I'm kind of hurt because it, like, it could have been so much better and it's probably excuse me uh it's probably the one sao paulo grand prix that i was disappointed in and so that kind of sucked a little bit it was pretty boring like mercedes had no pay so that already kind of blew me and the fact that it was a sprint race and i'm starting to agree with max with the sprint races is that i believe that at this point, it's currently constructed. They're just a preview for what the Grand Prix is going to be like. Like We watched qualifying on Friday said, okay, Mercedes may be there. They may not be there. And then we watched the sprint shootout, and we were like, okay, they're not there. And then we watched the sprint race, and we're like, okay, they're absolutely not there. And then we end up seeing the full feature race, and it was just an extension. So instead of 24 laps, we got 71 laps of that exact same idea that Mercedes weren't here today. They were slower than like even the likes of like Alpine and Alpha Tauri, which is embarrassing for them. But yeah, it just it wasn't the greatest Sao Paulo Grand Prix experience. I was pretty like bored for lack of a better word. I don't even think I finished watching the full race. I think I went back and watched the highlights. I turned it off like midway through because it was just like nothing exciting was happening. Everybody was just staying put. And nothing really exciting happened until the very end when Checo and Fernando got to the photo finish across the line for that last podium position. So, that yeah, other than that, I can't think of anything really noteworthy from that race. And with that being said, Max... I think Max secured the Constructors' Championship by himself this this past weekend. Like I believe that he has enough points now that no other team combined 
could overtake him in the standing. So Max is sitting on 524 points, and that is a couple busloads away from his teammate in P2, who is on 258. And with this poor result from Mercedes and Lewis finishing P8 in Brazil, I think that the fight for P2 in the championship is pretty much over because now Lewis is 32 points behind Checo in the uh, um, driver standings and making that up over two races, not likely. I mean, he would have to probably, he'd have to be on the podium for both races and he'd need Checo to score basically no points in order for that to happen. And I mean, that's not out of this, the realm of reality, but it's it's a it's a long shot. And so we do have a battle for P4 in the, the Drivers' Championship, though, a three-way battle between Fernando, Lando, and Carlos, who are separated by only six points, the total of them. So Fernando's on 198, Lando is on 195, and Carlos is on 192. So that'll be a big deal. I think really what it's coming down to now is the Constructors' Championships because that's where the money is to be made and that's where the prize money is so right now we have a pretty tight battle between ferrari and mercedes for p2 and the constructor championship they're only separated by 20 points and then aston and mclaren are only separated by 21 points and uh williams and alpha tower are only separated by seven points for p7 in the the constructors championship because the constructors is weird because it matters more to the teams at the bottom because the difference between like eighth and seventh could be tens of millions of dollars in prize money and that's a big deal to these smaller teams when you start talking about the red bulls the mercedes the ferraris those guys are going to get the money regardless whether it comes from the prize money or whether they get that from sponsorship or just the brand has that much money, like Mercedes, who's one of the biggest car manufacturers in the whole world. But yeah, when you start getting to the bottom, those points like matter way more and those standings matter wider matter much more. And like Alpha Tauri and Alpha Romeo are only separated by five points from P nine to P eight. And then there's four points back from them, Hass and P ten. So like let's just say a P6, for example, in a race could make a world of difference in the Constructors' Championship. That could jump you up three, four spots in the Constructors' Championship just based on like how tight it is at the bottom and how like few and far between points are for those teams. Because, I mean, when you think about it, there's only 10 points finishers in every single race. If you take out – if you go just go the top five teams – there's all your points right there if everything were to go to according to plan no mechanical dnfs nobody's off the pace or whatever no crashes then yeah red bull mercedes ferrari mclaren aston are taking all of the points paying positions every single weekend so when you can nab a p6 or p7 it matters tremendously to those teams at the bottom like a williams like an alpha towery an alfa romeo has alpine and I, I would say alpine's more midfield than the bottom but even points can be few and far between coming from them that's why it was a big result for them this past weekend with pierre i believe pierre got up to p5 so that was a big big deal for for um 
for Alpine. And Pierre was able to secure the qualifying head-to-head win against his teammate Esteban, which is a big deal because it's Pierre's first year in Alpine. And speaking of that, I just wanted to touch on that for a little bit. That did not end up getting as heated as we originally anticipated. I mean, we knew the history between Pierre and Esteban and that both French drivers driving for a French team. They don't really like each other. Esteban has never truly been established as the leader of that team. Pierre is a race winner as well as Esteban. They both have one race victory. Probably when they didn't necessarily like expect to get it, but both won pretty much on pure pace. I mean, I know Pierre's was a little... Pierre's and Esteban, ironically enough, both of their race victories were due to blunders by Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes in that 44 car. But, I mean, they they did what they needed to do to win those races. And so with those two French drivers coming in, they came up through the circuits together, had pretty much been rivals, had got heated between them in the past, and... We just everybody. I think everybody anticipated that it would blow over it, or like it would blow up at some point. And even with the moment in Australia where they crashed into each other and took each other out, it just really never boiled over and really never got that intense. I mean, Pierre was on what is it uh, F one Beyond the Grid podcast talking and if you haven't listened to that episode then go ahead and listen to that it was a really good listen and Pierre's a really cool guy gets in very honest and very truthful and candid with his answers and open about the fact that him and Esteban are not necessarily the best of friends but they have a working relationship which I think is great because I think this idea that you have to be best friends with the people that you work with is something that's really exclusive to sports in that People think, oh, because they're on the same team, like say basketball, for example, or like uh, American football or soccer. People think that, oh, these guys are all the bestest of friends. And it's like, no, we're in here doing a job. And like as long as we work well together, that's all that really matters. Is the job getting done or is it not getting done? It's really as simple as that. Are we winning or are we not winning? I don't have to take you out to dinner and we'd be playing on PlayStation together all the time in order for us to do our jobs at the highest level. So he was very candid about the fact that him and Esteban have a baseline level of respect for each other and that they have a working relationship, but they're not best friends by any means. And so I thought that was pretty cool to listen to. And we, I think we've seen that on multiple occasions amongst teammates like I thought I think that people thought that Carlos and Charles would get intense at some point and they've had some moments of competition where they kind of get on the radio and it's like hey you should tell Carlos or you should tell Charles to give me that position or you should let me buy or we don't fight each other and stuff like that and it never really got that intense we thought that the George and Lewis situation would get intense but Lewis was able to be mature about it, own the fact that he made a mistake, went and apologized to George, made it right, and nothing's really happened since. Um, I know I personally thought that the Lance and Fernando situation could get intense, but we didn't know that Lance and Fernando were going to be nowhere near each other. Fernando's putting it on podiums regularly, and Lance is like not being able to get out of Q3 on the regular, so they're not even anywhere on track near each other to have any of those intense moments and the fact that I think 
Fernando is smart enough to know not to beef with the son of the person that owns the team. And I have my thoughts on that. And there are other rumors about Aston as well that Aston could potentially sell at the end of the season. Like Lauren Stroll could sell Aston and leave the brand as a whole. And obviously we would know that means that Lance's seat would be gone, which could potentially open up a very competitive seat for somebody, whether that be a rookie. I know somebody came up with this whole fantasy scenario that Lauren Stroll sells Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso leaves the sport as a whole again, which this would be, what, his third time retiring? Fernando Alonso leaves the sport. Sergio takes Fernando's seat. I forgot. I think think they had Alex Albon taking the other Aston seat. <clears throat> Daniel Ricardo moving back up to Red Bull and then somebody taking Alex's seat at Williams. I think like a rookie or something. Like Liam Lawson, I think, taking Alex's seat at Williams, which Liam Lawson still deserves a seat in F1. Now, whose seat you give him, I don't know. Um, oh, they said that's that was it. It wasn't Liam Lawson to Williams. It was Liam Lawson going to Alpha Tauri. No, I'm lying. It wasn't Alex going to uh to Red Bull. It was um Yuki going to Aston Martin with Sergio, which I don't know if Red Bull would let two of their drivers go in the same offseason. I highly doubt it, especially because Yuki's done pretty well this season. I don't know if they see him long term as a competitor for that top Red Bull seat just because I don't know if he's all the way there yet and I think sometimes his antics can get in the way even though I think he's incredibly fast as a driver just pure pace I don't know if he's like if he has it all upstairs like to be able to put it all together and be consistent on a week in and week out basis but regardless there was some crazy scenario where the entire grid flip-flops based on the domino effect of Lawrence Stroll selling Aston Martin, therefore removing Lance from that seat, which is, like I said, a highly competitive seat, at least at the moment, which mm, their upgrades don't look like they've done too well. I know Fernando was back on the podium in Sao Paulo, which was a good result for them. And Lance finished P5, which I think was one of his better finishes this whole season, maybe his best finish this whole season. But I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate that in Vegas or in Abu Dhabi. I know they struggled a lot in straight line speed. So I'm not 100% sure that they're going to be able to actually be competitive, in, especially in Vegas. I think Ferrari will come back to the fold. I think Williams will perform really well in the straight lines. Um, I think Haas will probably be better than they have been just because there's not a lot of high-speed corners to take life out of the tires because that's really what they've been struggling with the most. The car actually has decent pace, but it's just the fact that the high-speed corners take so much life out of their tires that they die so much faster than pretty much every other team on the grid. So uh, that's kind of – and then McLaren, I think McLaren will still be there. I just think that at least in terms of the second half of this season, they've been consistently the second-best team on the grid and I think they're poised to really 
potentially bring a challenge for Red Bull, which pains me to say that a little bit because it just hasn't been encouraging from Mercedes, from what I've been hearing, like the the, the rumblings that are going around Mercedes. Like Lewis kind of said, doesn't sound too optimistic about next year's car. I mean, he's like, I'm thank God I'm done with this year's car, but he said that about last year's car. And so I'm like, oh, Lord. Total Wolf said that they got the setup wrong, and he was like, even if they thought about starting both cars from the pit lane to change the setup, but they said that they didn't know what to fix in the setup, and that just was absolutely mind-boggling to me. The fact that a team's at such a high level and then as that's used to performing at such a high level can sit back and say, we didn't know how to make the car better. I cannot believe that at all. So that was really weird, I guess, Weird would probably be off-putting is probably a better word to hear from Mercedes this late into the season. Like they should know this car by now and they should know how to extract the best out of it at every given scenario, especially with the number of podiums that they have this season in that they've performed well at a numerous different types of tracks this season, even when we didn't think that they were going to be that good. So I'm just completely taken aback by that. And I'm like, oh, Lord, now I'm like starting to question, is Lewis ever going to get this eighth world title? Because, I mean, they explicitly asked him, was he going going to keep racing until he got it? And I was like, yeah. And he said yes. And so I was like, okay, cool. And obviously, Lewis is loyal to Mercedes. He's pretty much said that we're going to do this together or we're not going to do this together. But I'm like, oh, brother, at what point is enough enough? And it's like, does Lewis need to start looking elsewhere for an opportunity to win races and get back in a championship contention? Who knows, man? A McLaren reunion could be on the cards for Lewis. I think that he would do whatever it took to get into a competitive car. If he knew, like, McLaren were going to be there next year, I think he would try to figure out a way to get into that car. And I think McLaren would have him. Because you just got to give yourself – I know Oscar's talented, and I know he's super young, and and he's the future, but a driver of the caliber of Lewis Hamilton comes knocking on your door. It, you don't – you pick up that phone call. Let's just say – let's just put it that way. You pick up the phone call if Lewis Hamilton comes knocking. But we're just going to have to wait and see, man. There's There's still a lot in store – and a lot going on this offseason. The Haas, Gunther Steiner has been adamant that the FIA need to go back and recheck like other people's like cars and stuff because he swears up and down that they broke regulation, especially Red Bull. He's been after Red Bull for whatever reason. I don't really understand it because it seems as if it's not even as if it seems as if it is the fact that they're in two different worlds. Like the Red Bull and the Haas are not competing with each other. So the fact that that's his target, I mean, I'm just assuming that he's aiming high and that's just going to get the attention of people is that I, if I start coming after Red Bull, like people are actually going to listen to me. But if I'm going after, let's say, Alfa Romeo, nobody's really paying attention to that because Alfa Romeo is not really scoring points regularly. They're not super competitive. So he's trying to use that as a point of getting attention i think and so who knows if it's just all chat or if there's actually any merit to it but yeah uh, officially red bull's punishment 
from breaking the cost cap in 2021 is officially over. And I put punishment in quotations because it doesn't feel like there was ever a punishment in like implemented at all. Like, did anybody feel like that? Am I tripping or does anybody feel like Red Bull got punished at all? It seems like that just they've been operating at normal capacity this whole time. And I'm intrigued to see if anybody at the end of this season has broken cost cap regulations and is anybody going to potentially be reprimanded or punished for cost cap regulations and what they're going to do about it. Because you pretty much set the precedent already that teams can break the cost cap with little to no penalty that actually impacts their performance. But who knows, man? Who knows? But we got an exciting weekend coming up. My fingers crossed is that the racing is good, and I got a really big surprise for you guys next weekend. Um, next weekend's podcast is going to be super, super different, but very well, man. It's something that's gonna that I'm very much looking forward to, and that I've been working on in the background for a couple weeks. So stick tuned for that, man. Like I said, I appreciate you guys for listening. Make sure you're following me. If you're on audio, make sure you subscribe to the video, to the YouTube channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you go to the audio platforms. I'm on all DSPs, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google, whatever you can possibly think of, I'm on there for sure. And if I'm not, let me know and I'll be on there. Well, yeah, man, uh, this has been episode 20, uh, 20, yeah, episode 20 of the Naldo Formula One podcast. I appreciate you guys for listening. Have a great evening, morning, afternoon, whenever you listen to this. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.